Hey everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Battle of the Atom. This is your weekly X-Men podcast where we rank every story from A to Z. I'm Adam. And I'm Zach. And Adam, guess what? What? We're going to talk about some Fantastic Four and some Doctor Doom and some other stuff, but we're not alone. Oh, good. Hyperstorm must be here. Hyperstorm's <laughs> not here. Uh, <laughs> but... Fr- <laughs> Not just storm, hyperstorm. I really hope hyperstorm is nowhere near us. Uh, oh. And we we actually have a, a friend of the show um, who's Hi. rejoining us. Hi. Yeah, everyone, you know her, you love her. It's Stephanie Burt. Stephanie, how are you doing today? Really happy to be here. We're happy to have you. This is exciting. I know uh, you uh, you and I and Adam have gotten to chat a lot more during the quarantines, which yes. we're still in. Yes. Uh, which has been the one benefit of this horrible tragedy that we are all living through uh, is getting to hang out with people more. And uh, I know we've been really excited about this episode for a while. It's an episode that one of our Patreon supporters who happens to be on this call uh, (laughs) did request. Uh, So I know it's something that you have been excited. It is all your fault, Stephanie, all your fault. Uh, But I know you're excited to talk about it. We're excited to talk about it too. Uh, What story did you uh, request for us to uh, chat about? Fantastic Four versus the X-Men, the 1987 four-issue miniseries. Oot, yeah. Oot. Good choice. This one's, you, Adam. this one's written by Chris Claremont, arts by Johnny Box himself, John Bogdanov. Uh, Tommy Orris does the letters on them, and they are they are choice. Yes. Uh, um, we should credit, I actually read this in black and white, so I'm not going to talk about the colors. We should credit the colorist. We should credit colorists, and I should really have that open. Adam, who colored this one? Was this Glennis Oliver? Glennis. Glennis Glennis Oliver. Yes, and we should also credit the true all-star of this miniseries, anchor extraordinary, uh, extraordinary Terry Austin. Terry Austin. Because I did a double take when I reread this, and I was like, wait a minute. Is this the same John Bogdanoff that I absolutely despise from Extinction Agenda? Because I Johnny Box is good, this. actually. Hold he on. I love He's Johnny amazing. Box. He's, He's good amazing. Here. But like Terry Austin, you know, inker of Paul Smith, inker of Art yeah. Adams, like he kills it here. This is um, this is the entire Dark Phoenix saga team, except for John Byrne. Yeah. It is. It is. So in kind as, of better, as really. much as the in as much as the combat scenes are not very important, uh, there's it's really important that none of the women in here look like sex objects, and drawing children so they look like children is absolutely essential. John yeah. Fox got that down. Exactly. Got that down. Big exactly. Time. This is this is the dream team for this story. Now, before we get too deep into the story, we do want to throw a content warning up yes, there. Yes, we do. Yes, uh, we do. There's going to be some discussion of suicide ideation in this. And if that's not something that you need in your life, uh, you know, maybe skip ahead 20 minutes or catch us on the next episode. This is a story uh, that's partly about suicidal ideation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it handles it really well. But if you, it's not something you want to hear any discussion of right now, which some people won't, this may not be the episode for you. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And the reason for that is because this story takes place directly after the mutant massacre. Kitty has been uh, basically made, what what would we call it guys? Uh, Discorporeal. I mean, she is gradually discorporating. She can't stop her phasing power, which is gradually sending her molecules farther and farther apart. And if that doesn't, if somebody doesn't figure out how to reverse that, she is going to die. So cue the Fantastic Four. Who's going to save the day? Reed Richards. Oh, wait, maybe not Reed Richards. Maybe Dr. Doom. 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 <laughs> That's a good little echo you guys had going on. I like Dr. Doom. Doom. What do you... Look, Dr. Doom is an evil mad scientist slash wizard slash tyrant. He's also kind of great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and his greatness, his greatness comes through in this story, even though he's kind of a sporting character. He is. And really the star of our show here is, uh, is a character that I feel like I trashed recently. The last time we had him on, uh, when we were talking about his little Franklin, Franklin Richards steals, steals hearts and minds here. Uh, saves. I would say saves hearts and minds. Yeah. 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 And yet it's, it's sort of not a story about him. It's a story about Reed and Kitty. Absolutely. Though I'd say, I'd say the emotional beats of this story really land well for Kitty, where the plot driving parts come from Reed and uh, what he finds in the Baxter building, which is a journal of his that essentially says that Reed Richards planned for the Fantastic Four to become the Fantastic Four and turn his best friend into a rock man. Uh Uh-oh. Ben Grimm's not happy about that, as he is wont to do. No one's happy about it. (laughs) Sue's not happy about it. Yeah. Are we... Are we in plot summary land? Yeah, yeah. Let's okay. get, let's do it. Spoilers galore. We we got it. We got his plot summary. So Franklin, the whole thing starts with Franklin having a dream that this journal is gonna just destroy the Fantastic Four, and Franklin freaks out. And he's like four at the time. He's let's four. Here. he's a small small boy. He is he's small. Um. So Kitty is discorporating, and Franklin had this dream of this journal. And Reed has tech that might help Kitty not discorporate. And the X-Men say, hey, will you please come to Muir Island and help us incorporate Kitty? So Reed takes the FF minus Sue and Franklin plus She-Hulk to Muir Island. And they get there and Reed looks at Kitty and is like, you know, I've, I've done the examination. This isn't going to work. I'm going to go home and take my tech. And the X-Men say, no, we don't care about your clinical trials. We don't care about your science and your evidence. We think this might work. You got to stay in and help. And uh, they fight. But yeah, Wolverine FF- basically like, uh, get your butt in there and make, uh, make this work or I'm stabbing you in the face. Not yeah. exactly the best motivator, but. Um... <laughs> well, Storm, Storm it's the only, it's the only motivation Wolverine really has in him. It's all he knows how to do is to threaten people to get what he wants. He is the best there is at that. It's true. Yeah. yeah, I would I would say that that's probably one of the weaker points of the story is that the the quote unquote fight scenes are are a little contrived, oh, right? You know, <laughs> the fight scenes the, the fight scenes are so silly that the entire four issue miniseries could have taken place without a fight, except mm-hmm. and there's two rules and you can see the rules creaking into place in here. One rule yep. is every Marvel comic has to have a fight scene. Mm-hmm. The other rule is every Marvel comic could be someone's first. Yes. So you gotta explain people's backstories. 
Yeah, I mean, we get the we get these absolutely uh, bizarre little interludes like Rogue being attacked by Doom bots after going shopping or or the X-Men going on a random training mission in the forests of Latveria. Like this, it, and what's shocking is it is a Chris Claremont story, but it is a Fantastic Four story much more than it is an X-Men story. So that is true. And Claremont, gets the Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Claremont, I think Claremont wants to tell a story about people trying to be good parents mm-hmm. in a way that is a lot more quote unquote normal than any kind of parent situation you'd see for the X-Men. Because X-Men comics are all about chosen family and like finding your people and saying no one I grew up with gets me. And mm-hmm. Fantastic Four comics are all about birth family, the people you're stuck with. Right. And and that contrast drives this whole comic. But we got to tell our, our faithful listeners what happens first, right? We do, because there's been a lot of mention about Latveria and Doombots, and I'm not sure we brought those up yet. Well, we haven't gotten <laughs> there. So there's a fisherman. Uh, while the, the FF and the X-Men are fighting over whether Reed's going to use his tech, the other Muir Island crew have rescued a fisherman who turns out to be a Doombot and spreads his cape and says, hey, I'm a Doombot. You want to rescue Kitty, Dr. Doom has the tech, come to Latveria. So they do. So they do. And the rest of the, the, rest of the, the FF, they go back to New York and discover what's in Reed's journal, which is exactly what Zach said. And, and they say, man, can we trust Reed? Or has he been a jerk who's been manipulating us all along? Both uh, can be true. You can't both, trust him, and Reed Richards can still be a jerk. Oh, both are true. Uh, not as much as a jerk as Professor Xavier, though. Look, they're close. They they ain't too far off from each other, but I digress. It's true. It's true, as we do. So the FF wander around New York trying to figure out if if they're still a team, if they're still a family, they ever trust Reed again, given what's in this journal. Uh, In the meantime, the X-Men have gone a lot, very take advantage of Doom Tech, but Kitty's really wondering whether it's even worth it because she has been such a cause for adults to fight over her and it's so much effort has gone into trying to keep her alive and she just feels like she's a huge burden to everybody and maybe she's going to die anyway so maybe she should just let herself discorporate and die faster than she has to and it is incredibly forking heartbreaking this is some of the most emotionally wrenching sets of panels right here in Fantastic Four versus the X-Men number three that I've ever seen in an X comic. And she almost does it. And the thing that prevents her from ending her own life is that Franklin, who Astral projects, shows up and says, Kitty, please stick around. I'm a small, cute child and (laughs) I need you. uh, And I need you here. And that persuades Kitty not to literally step off a ledge high on a castle uh, and and sort of vanish into air. That would, is the I emotional would, climax of the whole series right there. I would definitely say that that scene in Fantastic Four versus X-Men number three is far and away the best thing in the series and better than most stuff Claremont wrote. Like that... That works. There's a lot of things that I'll nitpick about this series that I don't think run as well as they should from a plot standpoint. But that 
big emotional beat with Kitty and Franklin. Claremont and Johnny Boggs, they knock this one out of the park. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's only gotten more powerful since it was published, right? Because this is about mm-hmm. this is about finding someone you'd never find if you weren't a mutant. Right. And right. having a situation that's making you think maybe everybody else would be better if I weren't alive because of my mutant power. And somebody who Kitty has found, you know, across the freaking Atlantic, right? Right. Like they're not even in on the same continent, let alone of the same generation and with the same concerns or the same background shows up and says, Hey, would you please stick around for me? And it works. And I mean, honestly, this is, this is an X-Men podcast. Uh, raise your hand if no one you know has been pulled back from some sort of brink or other by somebody they met online. Right? Right. After Kitty decides to stick around for Astral Projector Franklin and Longshot discovers snow. He does discover snow. It's very cute. And nobody asks why Rogue is wearing a t-shirt that makes her seem like she's dressed up as the Flash. <laughs> Like, does anyone know? She's it's a fashion, baby. Yeah. Um, Doom decides to use his tech. Reed decides he's going to take his team, who have decided to stick with him, and come back to Latveria and try to help. Mm-hmm. They show up, and the X-Men, especially Magneto, see the Fantastic Car showing up and conclude that the Fantastic Car has showed up to try to prevent Doom from helping Kitty instead of to help Doom help Kitty. Right. So they have a contrived fight. And again, Franklin stops them from fighting. Reed shows up. And this is some neat psychological novel stuff. Doom insists that Reed lets Psylocke open Reed's mind to Sue so Sue can find out whether or not Reed really wrote the journal. Sue concludes and Reed concludes that there is no need for that because if Reed ever was the kind of jerk who wrote the journal, he's a much better dad now and a much better person now, and he'll be a good dad and a good partner and he wouldn't deceive her like that now. So who cares if he wrote the journal? Sue figures out that Doom probably planted the journal himself. I love that Doom forgot about this. He's got so many schemes out there. What's one more scheme? Like, oh, um, yeah, I did yeah. that. Oh, yeah. man. <laughs> Should have capitalized on this one, really. That's Doom's yeah. fault. Yeah. Um, but only after realizing that they got to trust one another does Reed get the self-confidence back that allows him to collaborate with Doom to build the tech to eventually gradually save Kitty so that she can hang out in Weir Island, not be in Fall of the Mutants, and go join Excalibur. Right. And then right. Kitty teaches Franklin to socially distance Waltz. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, the story the story has a lot of weird beats, some contrived moments, some good, good character moments like the the Kitty Franklin stuff's obviously great. I love the stuff when the thing goes to his bar on Yancey Street. I was gonna say the thing in the bar is a great scene. There's a lot of uh, like physical comedy in this, you know, where 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 we get these little interactions between characters or characters on their own. 
Um, and, it, and it's sold very, very well by the artwork. So, Oh, that's one of the things John Bogdanov is great at in anything he does. He has a very good sense of slapstick and comedic timing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And this is a good doom too. Like Claremont gets doom. He's somebody who's, he's evil, uh, but he wants to, to show that he's better than Reed. He wants respect. He keeps his promises. He's actually a pretty good ruler of Latveria, if you don't mind the total lack of civil liberties. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is this is as good of a leader as Doom should be allowed to be. Yeah. It's like, he's still a fascist dictator of an Eastern European company or country, and none of that is working in his favor. But he's like, he's okay if you take away the part where, like, He's a demon sorcerer also. <laughs> yeah. There's there's also this this whole thing going on, uh, Reed and Magneto and Doom. And I wish Rogue had been part of this, but ever, at this point in continuity, everybody forgets that Rogue started as a villain. What's right, a reformed right. villain? How do you know if somebody's reformed? And there's kind of a, Magneto's the real thing, reformed villain. Doom is not really reformed, but we can use the tech. Reed hasn't been evil for at least a couple of months. <laughs> Reed <laughs> Reed's more I don't want to say not evil because I don't think I'm the judge of morality that should be making these decisions. Reed is more thoughtless than malicious. Oh yeah. Well, That's... he's more ambitious than malicious. Reed's yes. thing is and this is like everybody talks about how this is a kitty story, which it absolutely is, and that's what makes it what are we saying are relatable? Mm -hmm. um if there's stuff you want to do in the world and and you also have small humans in your life like this is relatable from a read point of view because it's like how much time do i spend on my special projects how much time do i spend on my kids bedtimes there, um, yeah i mean the, the, the series wrong. the series does start with uh, franklin having the dream trying to interrupt uh, Reed in his lab and Reed basically saying like, Hey Sue, get this kid out of here. Sue, I'm very busy with science. Yeah. There's this heartwarming scene between Sue and Franklin, but at the same time, like Reed is basically like, get out of here, you kid. Yeah. Um, and it's only later. We, I don't think we mentioned the, the saggy baggy elephant yet. Well, cause the saggy um, baggy elephant is the, it is the fulcrum on which this entire series turns itself. Yeah. 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 Which is a yeah. real storybook. It's not made up for, uh, for, Wait, for really? this particular story. Really? Uh, yeah. As, as far as I know, uh, the, the baggy the, the is, is that Reed tells the story using his stretchy powers. Right. Yes. So when somebody else tells it, it's not as good, which I can believe because Franklin tries to tell it to Kitty and she's like, one, there's a four-year-old trying to tell me a story and that can yeah. often be cute and very rarely is it uh, coherent. Narratively successful, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we, we, we got to talk one thing about the, the, the way that parenthood happens in the story. Is that mm -hmm. This is a story about like how to, how to deal with suicidal ideation if you are a mutant teen. And it's a story about how to be a good dad, but it's a story about how to be a good dad, really. And it's Claremont is so good when he's sort of paying attention to it mm -hmm. um, that I was a little disappointed by the idea that, of course, Sue puts the kids first because she's a mom and Reed is a dad. And so he's the one who has to learn to 
put the kids first. And that's not wrong about how American families that have one mom and one dad are expected to behave, but it's kind of predictable, you know? It is. I, I would think part of that is just part of that's lingering, uh, lingering repercussions of the fact that Stanley bless his soul was very bad at writing women. Yes. Uh, and part of that is, I think Claremont is Claremont understands what doom wants, what, uh, Reed wants and what Ben want. He doesn't have as good of a grasp on storm or Johnny in this series. Like Johnny's mad. You mean, you mean, Sue, you mean sewer Johnny? You mean sewer Johnny? Excuse me. Yeah. Sue storm. The storms yeah, right. in general, I can save this. I can make myself not look like a fool. You're uh, good. You're good. Uh, but no, I, I definitely hear you there. Sue does explode all of her clothes off at once, which is a very Claremont thing to do. <laughs> well, she also, sure. I mean, she also clothes tears Rogue's clothes off at one point too. Yeah. Sue also, the, the end of the story, and it's like Claremont is, is trying, Claremont is trying to make it feminist, mm -hmm. and he's limited by the characters he's inherited, which is very, like that's you know the story of a lot of 80s comics. Uh, but at the end, where Sue realizes what's going on, just before they go home, she says to Dr. Doom, you do know that, that I could kill you, that I'm <laughs> yeah. the most powerful, because there's genes not in the story. I am the most powerful superhero in this castle, in Latveria, whatever. Yeah, and yeah I could Storm, kill you Storm right doesn't have her powers right now. That's her. That's, yeah, all, that's all I Sue. could kill you with my force fields, but I'm not you, so I'm not going to like go home and suck it. <laughs> and also thank you for healing Kitty, because thank you. Right. Yeah, it's a great way um, to wrap things up. <laughs> yeah. Yes. We we've talked about this a lot. This is a fun story, and we have a lot of stories on this list. In fact, we have three hundred and sixty nine stories on this list that we rank from all their X Men stories of all time. Uh, the number one story is the Dark Phoenix Saga. Number one hundred is uncanny x-men acts of vengeance which is the time that psylocke uh, got switched into a different body but it has that real pretty jim lee art and is not the time that magneto threw red skull into a hole that's one spot below uh <laughs> number 200 is i magneto uh the time where magneto sees kitty almost die and it's like oh i should stop being evil now uh and he gets there eventually uh number 300 is new mutants volume three one through four the return of the legion and 369 is the Draco. Um, here's what I'm going to throw out as a starting point for this. Number 99 is another John Bogdanov story with little moppets that I love. It's Exterminators from Inferno. I think this is better than Exterminators. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do too. Um, I was also looking as just a comparison note. Um, I, I think I'm more of a fan of Excalibur Mojo Mayhem, which is also a kitty story uh, mm. to a certain extent. That's at 85. Um, I would say that Mojo Mayhem has better art mm -hmm. in that. I mean, that's got some real oh. choice art Adam stuff on it. I don't think Mojo Mayhem tells as compelling of a story as this, which I think this is where, like that Kitty Franklin scene is pretty good. This is a yeah. hell of a story. And the, the, the FF story, like the Reed story, and by the end, it's Sue's story. Those are for real stories. There's multiple. There's there's a lot going on in here. Where I'm, I'm looking up 
I think I'm looking a bit higher on this. Uh, Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> so at 54 is Storm and Ileana Magic, and I think that is better than this. I would yeah. agree. Yeah. I think, I think Storm and Ileana Magic just it works on a different level than this one. A bit lower on the list, 66 is X Factor Examinations, uh, which is the Peter Allen David story where they all go to a shrink. And I don't know if I would go that low. Yeah. Um, like I know I was, I know I was talking about Mojo Maham as a ceiling, but if Storm and Ileana is our ceiling, right below that is uh, Alan Davis's Return to Excalibur, and I think that that's better. Um, but I could be convinced that this is better than Jeff Johns Morlocks. Jeff Johns Morlocks is at fifty six. X Factor Volume Two: The Cop Story is at fifty seven. Uh, X Men Season One is at fifty eight, and I think this is better than X Men Season One. I think it has a lot of the same challenges that season one has in terms of having a incredibly tight plot because we're, we're at the top part of this list right now. Yeah, We're mm -hmm. in the right, we're in the right area. I am convinced this is better than X-Men red anywhere, anywhere in between storm and Liana magic and X-Men red. I am completely signed on to here's what I, I think this is better than X factor volume two which is a forgotten series that I like. Uh, but I think this being like about the X-Men actually probably does a little bit more in its favor. <laughs> uh, Adam, you're a bigger fan of Morlocks than me. So I'm going to leave it to you. Do you think this is better or worse than Morlocks one through four? You know, if you had asked me uh, before I reread it, I probably would have put it much lower, but mm -hmm. I think it rereads very, very well. And I, I found it very enjoyable this time. So I would put it above Morlocks and below uh, Alan Davis's return to Excalibur. So that would make it our new 56. That would make it our new number 56. A very good showing for this. Excellent showing. All right. Yay. All right. So. Obviously, this is not the only time that the Fantastic Four have teamed up and or tangled with the X-Men. Where are we it's headed not. next, Zach? Uh, we're going to head to the Bermuda Triangle. You know that place? It's the Triangle in the Bermuda <laughs> region. The Triangular? It, I mean, roughly. If, if, you, if you would ask a mathematician, they'd say, I mean, we could make it there. What if you ask Lee Forrester? <laughs> Lee Forrester would say, what are you talking about? Get off my boat. I'm a... I'm, <laughs> I'm Shira, the killer, whatever. Sure, from this, this is this is Savage Land time, kind um, sort of, sort, sort of. Close. It's close. It gets close to the Savage Land, but not being there. This is X Men Volume Three, number sixteen through nineteen, Betrayal in the Bermuda Triangle. This was written by Victor Glesher with pencils by Jorge Molina, uh, and one fill-in issue by Makiro Prefit. Pierfedeci, uh, colors by Guru EFX. Uh, Joe Karamanga does does himself some letters on this one. Uh, this one's weird. I picked this one uh, <laughs> because all I remembered about it is that uh, they the X Men get a distress beacon from Lee Forrester, and because X Men Volume Three was like a team up book in a weird way, they teamed up with the FF, which is the Hickman era FF. So Doctor Doom's there. And also mm -hmm. Spider-Man's there because because Johnny's dead for a little bit. Well, Spider-Man doesn't go on the mission. He, he is hanging out with uh, the, what, what are they Foundation. called? 
the yes, the Future Foundation. We get a brief, brief look at Artie and Leech, which is which is fun. Um, but then we're off to this alternate dimension, which is filled with dinosaurs and alien species, and uh, it's a it's a jungle adventure. It's a big generic pulpy sci-fi story in all of the good and bad ways. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It's fine. It's they they have there's the good aliens and there's the bad aliens. And they've got to they get have, a thing. They've got to get a thing. They there's have a MacGuffin the thing. They have the thing. They do have yes. the thing. The orb. Yeah. No, no, the thing is not an orb. He's an orange brick man. No, no, no. You know what I mean. <laughs> but yeah, Lee Lee has teamed up with uh, Skull the Slayer, Scully, uh, who she's been uh, abandoned in this dimension. Uh, and, and it turns out there's an entire very judgy, judgmenty war going on over here in this dimension. Um, and the X-Men and the Fantastic Four have to team up. Dr. Doom has been scheming the entire time as he always does to uh, yeah. think about 12 steps ahead of everybody else. Yeah. And they eventually beat this, this, uh, this terrible uh, sort of tree. Scorpius, Scorpius prime. Yeah. He kind of uh, looks like abomination from the Hulk, but he's got a robot arm and a tree, a tree arm. arm. And a... He's got a tree. He looks like he, he looks like he got his arms stuck in Groot. <laughs> and when like rocket pulled him out of Groot, some Groot came with him. He's very much like baby's first alien design. <laughs> they all are. They all are. This is an incredibly generic world. I can't tell you anything about the world building in it because it's done poorly. The X-Men get split up into different groups where they team up with different members of the FF. Uh, there's some weird stuff in here. Emma Frost is not written well. Uh, oh, she God. She's mad that Cyclops had a girlfriend once that wasn't her. Yeah. And and insults her. Like, this is, this is the kind of Emma writing that any modern Emma, any, like, post-Gen X, really, any modern Emma read that and say, I don't know who that woman is with all that white and all the cat. Like this Emma doesn't even pass the Bechdel test. This is possibly the only time anyone's ever written an Emma who does not pass the Bechdel test. Yeah. All she cares about is Scott and like their relationship. And it's, well, she doesn't have a story power. about their relationship. This is just a story about her being jealous. It's, yeah. it's not even about that. It's like, I mean, what is it about? The what, story like, itself? Thematically, I mean, like, fun, pulpy, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's but, it. But there's no, like, I, there's a reason why Victor Gishler is not, like, known as one of the great, like, emotional masterminds of X-Comics. Like, well, that's because his run started with Curse of the Mutants and then went down from there. Ooh. Harsh. I mean, I'll give him some credit. Pixie has some really great uh, presence in this particular arc. I, I do like uh, how she's portrayed and and gets some like really Pixie. great. Yeah, she gets Pixie some really great thing hangout. It's it's what yeah. you want from that. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. There's there's good Pixie. Like Pixie gets stuff to do. It's mm -hmm. not especially individual, but it's fun and it's heroic. And I I love a character. I just want the best for her. Um, 
the art team does mixed. A, well yeah the, the people <laughs> don't look great but in no. terms of drawing this world like they were told to do something boring by their writing and they made it look interesting mm-hmm. okay that's fair like i like the way it looks yeah and, i mean and the, the, the banter like at the the um the Emma banter is garbage, but some of the other banter is pretty good, right? I want an energy hammer because Lee Forrester has this thing that looks like Mjolnir, except like quadruple size. Right. It's a <laughs> very large hammer. Yeah. And, and yeah. Lee says you can add it to your Amazon wish list if we live. And and there's this like running joke about whether Ben knows what a fastball special is. Like there's there's jokes and some of the jokes are good. Dr. Um, Nemesis thinking he's better than Dr. Doom and Reed Richards combined. I love that. That's I, great. I he's love like, it, but it's also... checking my calculations? I already know they're correct. Yeah. It's also, <laughs> it's also weaker Dr. Nemesis uh, banter. Like, this, yeah. is, this yeah. is low-tier Dr. Nemesis banter. That's right. Yeah. That's right. But that's a high bar, to be fair. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Because, like, Nemesis... Dr. Nemesis is important in the X-Men at a time when the like people who are good at banter are writing it. Right. Uh, and, and this isn't, and, and can I say one more, like one more thing that kind you of can say like five kind of, more things. If you want, we're not, I kind of want to get, I kind of want to get to old woman, Laura, but, but, uh, <laughs> and this, this was, this was fun. It's a fun, pulpy SF adventure. It has no consequences at all for anyone. Um, and this Dr. Doom, thinks like dr doom but he doesn't talk like dr doom no which is especially apparent if you were to read this when it was coming out alongside the jonathan hickman ff run where (laughs) it may have some faults but also jonathan hickman knows how to write some dr doom yeah 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 it doesn't pair well with that uh it feels out of character um you know i i think this may have even been more successful if it had just been more of a jungle adventure. You know, if we had found out that Lee had ended up just in the savage land and we needed to go like on an adventure there and there's dinosaurs or whatever, but because at least gets, that world's already built. Like we've accepted yeah. that. Right. Yeah. You know, there seemed, there would be more of an excuse for her uh, being dressed uh, like, uh, you know, Sheena, the she devil and, you know, like, does she need the, the leopard skin bikini some, here? I don't know. Savior, this is some white savior nonsense. <laughs> yes. The more I look at, Lee decides that she's going to stay with the Kadak, who are the low-tech, like, first people's aliens, mm. as opposed to the, like, creepy green bad guy aliens. The, the lizard aliens. Right. Lee's going Lee's gonna to stay with the, the low-tech aliens to help lead their civilization because they need a white girl from Earth. I guess. Yeah. She doesn't get to keep her ship. This is not. It is it's, a little weird, right? It's like not you good. kind of after all of this, like the whole point of the story is let's go and visit Lee in an alternate dimension. Lee ends up staying up. in that dimension. And Zach, you would know better than I have have we seen Lee since? Lee Forrester is still stuck in that alternate dimension. That's not so being a that's boat crazy. captain like she should be. Come I on. think Lee Forrester is one of the most interesting X-Men characters, like as far as minor characters of all time. I think she's great. She has her own agency. She like she is 
portrayed often as the girlfriend for a lot of characters, but also her job is not to be the girlfriend. She's like, I got my own stuff going on over here. If you want to date me, that's cool. But I got, I got to yeah. run a shipping company. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's what she should be doing. I do like the kernel of Scott feels like he's got to go rescue his ex. Mm-hmm. It turns out that his ex doesn't want to be rescued and is just fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, that it, works. and along the way they get into like a pulpy SF plot, but um, do better. Yeah, that's that's the moral of the story. Just do better, everyone. <laughs> I mean, the other missed opportunity is they really don't get into Lee and Eric at all. You know, like oh, yeah. it gets her other gets, ex-boyfriends here too. Right, you it gets it gets teased, but it doesn't get explored at all. And I like, didn't really like the Lee and Eric. You know what would have been fun? Because this is the cable kind was of around. Story. What? What? Cable, cable was, was around her other ex-boyfriend. No, no, we don't no. need to speak of that. I don't. I like. I have never been able to follow stories about Cable. I'm sorry. It's just like, it's my fault. It's not Cable's fault. He's um, good. I love him. But continue. So, so if, I'm, if, if I have maybe the fortune or the misfortune of being Victor Gisler's editor on this and he turns in a script, I'm going to be like, why don't you just make Emma do everything Doom does? That would it be would good, have been a actually. much better story with fewer characters if all of the double and triple crossing were what Emma does. Sure. Easily. I think that would work a lot better. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it's not 2010 and we can't go until, I don't know. I'm going to guess Nick Lowe. I'm just going to check right now because I don't know. Uh, yep. Going to go check. Go tell Nick Lowe or associate editor Daniel Ketchum or assistant editor friend of the show, Jordan D. White. Hey, let's change this. <laughs> I, I, I'm thinking about. Jordan D. White, whose whose powers we are now familiar with, and, and whom we hold in great respect, yeah. seeing this roll off the the like pulp SF filler assembly line, and like maybe Jordan's looking at at how Emma's used in the story, and just saying, <laughs> "Do better, do better." Uh, I think we are at a good spot to yeah. rank this thing. Um, I am looking down near 192 which is the neil adams savage land arc of 60 to 63 the neil adams savage land is better than that that has magneto going yes you've never actually seen my hair before i am magneto (laughs) no i think it goes i think it goes lower than that i just you know i'm trying to draw a a line here somewhere where do we Um, have judgment war oh judgment war is quite low um okay so that's at 298 right now. And I don't oh, wow. know how I feel about this compared to Judgment War. Judgment War's very long. Remember, Adam? Yeah, it's at least like this 11 is issues long. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think this is better just, I mean, it has a beginning, a middle, and end as opposed to like, let's say 295, the Muir Island saga. Well, Curse of the Mutants is right there at 296. Is this better or worse than that? Curse of the Mutants is better. All right. Then Curse then, of the Mutants is better. It, right. uh, Curse of the Mutants, you can at least read as like he wasn't taking it seriously, which he was, which so makes the unintentional parts good. We're definitely in the right part of the list because like at 303, we have Search for Cyclops. I think this is better than that. You know, it's it's not a particularly exciting story, but, you know, it's not. It's not I'm that. Just like, yeah, I'm, I'm looking I'm looking at, at this for the stories that. Like that I know well. Right. 
And and all I'm going to say is this definitely belongs below Dinosaur Rachel. Where's Dinosaur Rachel? Where did we put Dino Rachel? Two seventies. Oh yeah, this will be below Dino Rachel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. This will be definitely. below Dino Rachel. We're good. Uh, that story. That story's got some issues, but at least a little fun. It's um, a lot. There's a lot to like. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to weigh in with Judgment War and say that Judgment War is better. Um, you know, this I think we probably, get a, we get better world building in Judgment War, even if it's dull. I don't. I I think at 300 right now, NYX No Way Home. Yeah, uh, I think that one. NYX No Way Home at least tries to be a more interesting story and tries to tell something, even if in execution it doesn't get all the way there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's probably better than Search for Cyclops. Um, is it better or worse than the Return of the Legion story? I think it's lower than that. And probably lower than that Alpha Flight story. Yeah, I would agree. All right, so this is going to be our new 303. Edging yeah, in th- just ahead of Search for Cyclops. This will be 303, Betrayal in the Bermuda Triangle. It's got fun parts, but yeah. It's not good, though. That's the problem. No, it's not. Uh, it's not. We, got, we got a better we got ender, more. though. We just yeah. got one more. Yeah, This is uh, a good one. It's good. This is uh, number 33 to 35 of this series. It's how it ended. Written by Tommy Taylor uh, with pencils by Ramon Rosanos. Uh, it's... All new Wolverine, old woman Laura. Mm-hmm. Uh, Laura Laura's old now. She's queen of Madripoor and she's old. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It is. It is as the last page of the whole story says: a world where the heroes won. It's the inverse of an, the idea of old man Logan, which is, I really love it in concept. I think that's an incredibly interesting thing to look at. And it's oddly rare in superhero comics that you get an alternate future where things are like generally pretty chill. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and an alternate near future, right? There's like Legion of superhero stuff. There's like far future, right. generation of planets, whatever galactic peace, but like something where the world gets better from the present in the lifetime of the people we know and love. That yeah. is rare. It I is, love this story. I, I love it. I mean, it's it's basically, uh, you know, who runs the world, girls, girls. Like, it is from top to bottom uh, a really great all-female team-up. Um, whether we're talking about Kamala Khan is president of the United States. Um, and we're going to go on this, like, revenge mission to go after Dr. Doom, which is, as they describe it, kind of like the the last blight upon yeah. the, the world or the universe. Um, yeah. And it's all caused because uh, despite Gabby having taken over as Wolverine, um, old, old man Lara is, is apparently dying. Yeah. yeah. Being a clone has its downsides, and those downsides are that uh, her her cells are breaking. Uh, no, she's not dying because she's a clone. She specifically says Gabby's going to be fine. Yes, Gabby's going to either be immortal or have a normal lifespan. Her particular cloning did some, yes did a number on her chromosomes. Yes, and so, she's she's not she's not looking forward to it. But she has one thing on her bucket list, and that's that. One of her one of her sisters, yeah, uh, Bologna, has been captured Bologna. by Do- Bologna. 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 
Not Bologna. Bologna. <laughs> Bologna. Bologna. Bolognese song. Laura's you know, sister I, Bologna. Now that I say that, I've never had to say her name out loud. She's Bologna. She's the goddess of war. She's not a... She's a sandwich component. Northern Italy known for its communist politics and its red sauce and its antique university. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't pay attention to the Roman gods. Those guys are, those guys are the ripoffs. Uh, I mean, sure, well, if you want to rip offs, we, we may have to talk about Orphan Black at some point. I, I try not to bring up Orphan Black when I'm discussing the Tom Taylor role New Wolverine, but it's influenced. It is in, in for sure. It's, it's right there. Uh, but this is a heck of a team up, guys. I mean, we have uh, a stacked team. We have Wolverine. We have Wolverine. We have uh, Maria Hill looking yeah. like. She just is ready to kill anything. It's great. That's just how Maria Hill normally looks. I don't know yeah. how to break that to you. I know, she's but she's like angry. even more, even more angry and pissed off, and it's great. And then as a surprise, we also get uh Captain Marvel. We also get Kate Bishop. Kate Bishop. And we also get uh, uh yeah. inside of a bullet. Yeah. <laughs> wasp. We get the wasp. This yeah. is a great team. It's a it's a nice team. What I question is how well they're utilized because this is a three issue series and Taylor has to introduce a world and resolve these long lingering plots about, you know, what's going to happen with Laura and essentially like give his final summary on his entire take on the character, which truly is the defining take on the character. Oh, agreed. Yeah, yes, to do that in an alternate reality with all these ca- other characters that may have had appearances in his run, but have not been like supporting cast members, has to do all that and give a clean end to it. I think there that's a lot to juggle, and I don't think it's done poorly, but I don't think it's as successful as the best parts of this run are. Oh, no question. There's this was so much fun when it was coming out and mm-hmm. like everybody loves it and people love that run in general. And, and it's a I good run. Fun. It's a good run. Reading this, like the same rereading this the same day I was rereading FFBX for a while. I thought, wow, this is really like just lesser in caliber. It's just not the same level. He's just got so many fewer words frankly as well as fewer pages to work with there's just less character development there's kind of less of everything and then i thought this is so much more streamlined maybe the way to read it isn't the way that you read some of the other like some of the best tom taylor on the wolverine stories um like the 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 one the first arc or the one where she, they get rid of the trigger scent. It's certainly not the way you read like the intricate psychological best Claremont comics. It's a fable mm-hmm. and it's a fable with a moral. And the moral of the fable is if you want nothing to change and you want immortality for yourself, you're the bad guy. And if you're willing to have things change, and work together with your friends and give up who you are for them when they need you, then you're the good guy. Cause it's, yeah. it's really schematic. Doom's thing is that he doesn't want anything to change ever. He ends up, he tricked Laura into showing up in Latveria so that spoiler, 
so that he could steal Laura's body, but mm -hmm. she like double tricks him and ends up killing him. And Laura is rewarded with Gabby saying, we're not going to let you die. We're going to look for the cure. We want you to stick around in this world where the heroes won. But Laura is, Laura just keeps on being a change agent and she's mm -hmm. unselfish. And Doom wants nothing to change and that's what makes him evil. That's also what makes him boring because- In this one? Yeah, because yeah. this is a very, he's an extremely boring antagonist. Yeah, he and doesn't have a lot to do. I mean, like if the, you were going to, to, I think one of the uh, deficits that we're kind of hinting at is that the, the brevity of this story may actually be to its deterrent, but uh, it, it would be cool to see a little bit more of like the doom scheming that, that makes it still this like terrible thing that still exists on earth um, yeah. as opposed to what it has been in the past in Marvel, which is kind of, uh, you know, like a peculiarity, if you will, that, that should be left alone. Um, but we do get this, this indication that this, this doom war has happened in the future very, very quickly. Uh, so there are things that you could plumb a little bit more to get a more fleshed out story, but it, you're right. It has to kind of streamline well, itself uh, towards its end. Even, even within three issues and he's only got three issues. Mm -hmm. This is, it looks very cartoony. It's almost like a really good animation. Um, there's very little use of the, the kind of things in another era you would have seen, like giant text boxes or like thought bubbles. There's just not a lot of, of words to play with here to, to build the world that, that we're seeing. See, it's, I'm okay with this, the streamlined quality of it. I also, I really like the art, but I will agree. It's, it's a little more static than we would have seen uh, the, in other arcs in the series for sure. Here, here's the, what the I, art is, the, art is fine, the art is fine, but it's, it's not especially suited to compressed science fictional world building. Think about the adventures of Cyclops at Phoenix, mm -hmm. where you've got an artist who really knows how to do a science fiction world. And I hate the art in that book. Really? Yeah, you're crazy though. You're you're <laughs> really Adam, you are off your rocker. It's we... garbage. No, it's uh, not. It's good, bud. It's good. It looks terrible. We we did this on Everybody's ugly. We yes, they are. It's the bad future. The bad Everyone future. is ugly. I agree with you, but that's a feature, not a bug. I can't look at that book. Did okay, we talk about I... this on the show? I honestly yes, don't we did. We don't have okay. to talk about this again. We don't have okay, to relitigate it. I'm, I'm sorry. This this kind of cartoony. This is the kind of cartoony art that that would not be out of place in like Moon Girl, which is a book that I really like. Mm -hmm. But it's it's not well suited to deep science fictional world building. What I would say about this book is that I don't dislike it, but I like I, it too. I I don't think there is anything in these three issues that Tom Taylor and others didn't do better in the previous 32 issues of this run. I think it has a message, but it's something oh. that I think it's something that was already hit on. And it's, it feels more like a victory lap of everything. That's beautifully put. Yeah. 
That's pretty good. I also think there's a very sad irony. I mean, I'm rereading this on Unlimited that the very last line of the uh, of the book is now you get to be something better. And the page flip is to <laughs> the uh, cover of Mariko Tamaki's X-23, which, hey, whatever. But it is there's an irony to our all new Wolverine having climbed to this height and then you get to be something better. You get to go back to being X-23. That's an aside. It has nothing to do with That's the story not this itself. book's fault. That's not this book's fault. Yeah. We cannot hold it against it. No, no we not cannot. But not his fault either. Little bit of irony there. They've, um, they've, they, have, they have since fixed it. Uh, they did throw they did throw Laura into a hole for 20 billion years but she's going to come back as a goddess or something so oh, it's I can't be wait it. whenever that pays off it's going to be so cool it's going to um, be very good yeah. So I, I enjoy this, but I agree it has its weaknesses and I agree it's not the uh, the strongest of uh, what we've seen Tom uh, do with the character. So we have other all new Wolverine on this list, do we not? We do. We have number uh, seven, which is the all new Wolverine and Squirrel Girl story, uh, which is at 108. And then we have the all new Wolverine an- annual, which is the Gwen uh, Spider Gwen story at 115. And I think both of those are better than this. Oh, I would agree. Um, at 121, we have the Wolverine uh, sort of anime manga miniseries Snicked. I like that better than this as well. How do you feel about here's here's something I'm just I'm just scrolling down the list. Yeah. Mr. and Mrs. X one through five love and rogue is at one fifty six. Mm-hmm. That's the spacey one. Yeah. yeah. I think this is close to that. Mm, OK, actually, no, this isn't better than Madripoor Knights, which is just a couple of spots down at one fifty eight. I think. Mm, this is better than 163, which is the story where uh, the Excalibur story where they go to the alternate dimension that's run by dinosaurs, Excaliburs. That's so that fair. is the Rachel dinosaur. Uh, no, story. that's no, not. not. That's no? the one where they, the story is just told of this other universe of Excalibur. Oh, right, right, right. Yes. Uh, and then Excalibur was taking a nap the whole time. Yep. Sorry. Um, How do you feel about this compared to Kitty Pride and Wolverine, the miniseries? <laughs> Ah, Which I believe I would guest was on this last episode on the episode we talked about every time I I look forward to coming on the show again and again over the years. And every time you're going to ask him a Katie Pride and Wolverine, (laughs) I'm going to try. I think, I think it's going to be a minority opinion among X fans, but I think that Katie Pride and Wolverine is a little better. It's more ambitious. It's got more obvious flaws, but it does more. I would, actually agree. I, I would agree. I would agree. I would agree. I do think this is better than the uh, Uncanny X Force spinoff Age of Apocalypse. Yes. I think this is better than the first arc of that. So I think that fits this in as our new 161. Pretty good. All right. That's not a bad showing for the book. It's really, it's a good showing. It shows how much we like, it shows how much everybody likes the Tom Taylor All New Wolverine. Yeah, it's and a good run. It I'm just has sure. a few issues. And and like I think I think this show has not even done the 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 most the the runs of all new Wolverine people like the most. We've not even done the parts that I like a ton. We've not done we haven't done the four sisters, yeah, the four sisters up there. The four sisters and then the one where they the one where she loses the trigger scent. What's that called? Enemy of the State uh, 2. Enemy of the State 2. Enemy of the State 2. I was, I was telling Adam before you got on. All new Wolverine 
rotates real hard because there's four sisters, which is great. And then there's the Civil War II tie-in, which is fine. Then there's Enemy of the State 2 with rules. So good. Then there's this weird thing with Iron Man and the Guardians of the Galaxy, and it's fine. Then there's Orphans of X, which rules. Yeah. Then there's this. Like, yeah. it, it goes from really good stories to okay stories. Like, not bad, but they, they don't reach those same heights. And it's peppered with in-between comic issue, comedy issues. <laughs> comedy? Okay. Right? I think the comedy issues actually work better than the... They, they're great. Than the, what is, like, general action-y, uh, action-y arcs. Mm-hmm. Like, X is an action-y arc. I, 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 all it the, is, but it has a deep emotional core to it. So I've... I have read all of the series except for the tie-ins people told me not to read. Which tie-ins? Civil War. Oh, uh, you uh, should read. They're not bad. There's they're a, fine. You don't even have to know anything about Civil War II. You just have to know it's Minority Report. Are you aware of the concept of a Minority Report? Yeah, yeah. I've read. I've read other Civil War II tie-ins. Like it'd be great. It's worth yeah. reading if you haven't. Okay. It's a. Uh, they hang out with Old Man Logan. Okay. There you go. Um. But yeah, this fight. <laughs> the, the, the thing, thing the uh, like the other thing about like the old one Laura story is good enough, and it shows up in a place where it wants to be compared to all the stuff that is amazing. Mm-hmm. It's just got yeah. rough comps. That's all it's got. Yeah, here's it. Still here's pretty question, good. Though. How many good futures are there in X Men? There's the thing you get at the very positive end of the futures. Yeah, positive futures. There's the thing at the end of Days of Future Yet to Come where they fix. Days uh, of Future. Yep. What is it? They fix uh, Earth 811. Yep. There's half of Battle of the Atom. Battle of the Atom is probably actually not a better future. It's like a status quo future. Yeah. Which, on the yeah. grand scheme of futures, is a plus. Yeah. There is ages of apocalypse has a good future that's true they rebuild no not age age is adam are you are you not aware of about the sequel to the 12 oh i'm sorry oh it's bad it's a bad story Um, it does have a good future and then i think claremont did a spin-off series next gen about and this was an internet pool poll that got this pitch. And you will know that it was an internet poll after I tell you that the pitch of it was, what it. about the X-Men had kids? I've read it. Yeah. I've read it. Oh, it's boy. fun. I will usually, <laughs> I will usually defend Lake Claremont. Uh, this is you do not like Lake Claremont a lot better than me. Most, I do. I will really go out on a limb for some Lake Claremont. Uh, that, that one is just, fun but it's more it's more status quo it's not like mm-hmm. oh we solved stuff yeah there's not a lot of good futures but do you know what's going to be a good future no i don't know tell I me i don't know whatever whatever our listeners do next week i guess <laughs> give me some uh, optimism i don't know this is a <laughs> look we're kind of not living in the best future right now so i don't know what to say <laughs> uh next next week we get to talk about the jungle adventure and some other stories weird stories Ooh. for the apocalypse so at least people have that to look forward to uh, and they have that to look forward to. Thanks to Patreon supporters, uh, like Stephanie. Uh, Stephanie doesn't have to give us money, but she chooses to, which is cool. Uh, if you want to be like Stephanie, you can go over to patreon.com slash Xavier files. We've got plenty of cool things at the $5 a month level. You get episodes, uh, that you can vote on and some other stuff. $2. You can just throw an episode on the list, see what happens. 
Uh, there's a bunch of stuff. If times are tight right now for you, and I get it, because I get it, uh, don't worry about it. Show's still going to be here. We we have... We are booked. <laughs> we have obligations well into the future. So the world better not end before we can talk about uh, what's the lowest, what, what if volume before two, number Mutants 46. Movie actually comes out, you know? Oh, I've got to, I got to re-re-add that to this stupid list. <laughs> Fifth release you know, date. I, I, I got to make you talk about some late Claremont next time. You do got to make us talk about some late Claremont next time. Not It'll either. be fun. Uh, but, hey, Stephanie, if people like your whole vibe, where can they find you? Where, well, how can they I find am, more about you? Oh, uh, I am on Twitter at Accommodatingly, and that is with two C's and two M's. If you just look for Stephanie Burt, you can find me. Uh, I've written a couple of books with Secret X content. The most recent, <laughs> it does, it does. Uh, the most recent is a book of uh, sort of fake translated imitated poetry called After Callimachus. Uh, and it, it has all kinds of, uh, I've, make an ancient Greek poet I like into a sock puppet. And he talks about things like uh, Scott and Emma hooking up, but and like a sock actually, puppet for you, not a, you're not writing this as if the, the Greek poet became a sock puppet. Like, an no, actual, no, 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 he's, that's he's where so my mind fun. went for a second. He's I was so like, fun. I, I thought it was a little, yeah. I love the guy who died, who died like more than 2000 years ago. And I'm just really into him. And I fake translated or real translated a bunch of his poems and one of them is a cut John a wedding hymn. So now I've set it on the air and it's official. <laughs> it is. It is. You'll see it. You'll see it. Also, uh, TMTM, TM, do not steal sock puppet Play-Doh. That's mine now. And sock puppet Play-Doh <laughs> is absolutely yours, although we got to talk to, if we're pillaging the ancient world for sock puppets, we got to talk to Rob Secundus and see who he wants. Uh, there's also a book called Don't Read Poetry, a book about how to read poems, uh, which is what it says on the tin and uh, has... Uh, has a new X-Men joke near the beginning, actually. It's, it's not a joke. It's not a joke. And uh, you'll see. You'll see. We will it's see. Got some, it's got some nice Emma Frost content. I'll say that. <laughs> it's, it's about poetry. It's actually about poetry. <laughs> it is. I believe read you. It. Don't read poetry. Don't read poetry, but do read Don't Read Poetry. I mean, read poems. You can read Don't Read Poetry if, if you want, but what it really says is read poems. Okay. That works. Hey, Adam, where can people find your, you online? What's your vibe? What do you guys what do you can always follow me on Twitter at Arthur Stacy. Uh, been doing X-Men trivia night. If you guys are down yeah. with that, I'll probably have yeah. done at least a, a, a third one. Uh, at some point we've done two so far, uh, doing some commission work. That's about it. Zach, where can people find you? People can find my stuff on Xavier files. Comics are back, baby. Uh, we're talking about stuff. Uh, as often as comics do come back out, we're trying we are we are slowly, slowly rolling that boulder back up that hill uh, so that we can give you the comics content that you crave uh, every week. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's gonna be a while. Stephanie writes for us. Uh, does our does our Fantastic Four plus X Men stories, uh, which is Wait great. For that one to wrap up has a release date. So it, it has is, a release okay. date. It is, we finally on its way. We finally get that ending. Uh, beyond that, Twitter at Xavier Files, uh, everything else y'all know. Like we said, next week, uh, we're going to talk about some apocalypse stuff. Stephanie, thank you so much for being thank on. It was a great time. So I'm so grateful. This is so much fun. I'm just really happy to be here and hang out. Can you talk X-Men? We're happy to have you. But until next time, this has been Bow the Atom, and we hope you survived the experience. <laughs>